Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Chicago Business Podcast, where we introduce leading executives in the area and learn how innovation is changing their industries. I am your host, Drew Sekula, and today we welcome Dr. A.J. Acerno, CEO and co-founder of Decision One Dental Partners, a leading dental support organization that has re recently grown to over 30 dental practices. Hello, AJ. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, nice to have you on. Glad you're, thanks for carving time out of your day for us. Absolutely. So before we get into it, let's go ahead and break the ice. You've uh, <laughs> selected a beverage of the day. Why don't you tell the audience about what we're having today? We're going to have a little Koval, a little Chicago whiskey. So, um, you know, I think some of the best that you can get. So I love it. Yeah, nice. Uh, representing the local uh, the local establishment I like that. I'm matching you here with it as well. So All right. uh, there cheer, you go. cheers. Cheers to that. Cheers. Let's get that. Cheers. Yeah. Nice. Nice to uh, get started. Very good. All right. Let's uh, let's start with an overview of your business. And if you could uh, kind of give us the 50,000 foot view, we can start from there. Yeah, a dental service organization uh, in Chicago. Uh, we started 10 years ago. Um, uh, kind of a family ordeal. My brother's a dentist. He's a couple years older than me. And uh, we dragged my dad out of retirement to help us start it. And um, that's really a, a super 50,000 foot level. We thought we were going to be about five practices and, and, and stop there. But, um, you know, we're 33 practices and growing and uh, excited to continue growing in the Chicagoland area. That's great. Are you just in Chicago or are you wider geographic? Yeah. We're in, um, we're, we're geographically in now in Wisconsin and in uh, Illinois. And um, in part of our partnership two years ago with Smile Brands, uh, has now put us uh, completely nationally um, all over and and uh, super excited about that. And just recently, a uh, few months ago, uh, became the uh, chief operating officer of uh, Midwest Dental, which has uh, 232 locations across 17 states um, and uh, super excited about doing that and, and, and expanding into those areas. Wow. Wow. Are you still finding time to, to be a dentist in all of those uh, pursuits? A couple of days a week, a couple of days yeah. a week. I still, I still find time to uh, get involved and in in get my fingers wet, which uh, is good. It's fun. Yeah. Well, good for you. Good for you. Maybe we can take a step back and talk a little bit about your uh, origin story. And uh, I know you're a Chicagoan from the get, but uh, if you could take us through a little of that background. Born and raised northwest side of Chicago. Uh, went to Notre Dame High School in Niles. Um, uh, my mom and my mom was a Catholic school teacher over at St. Eugene's for 37 years on uh, Foster and Canfield over there. My dad was a CPA. So um, my brother uh, always wanted to be a dentist, man. Since he was like three years old, he wanted to be a dentist. And um, I actually, uh, at 5'5", five, five, I had a dream of being a professional athlete, believe it or not. <laughs> but um, uh, honestly, uh, as, as time grew, I knew that I had to do something. So I went and followed my brother to Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. And um, I actually wanted to be a physician and um, started figuring out pretty quickly that the medical world was not what I thought it was. 
And, um, you know, I saw a lot of uh, individuals that were kind of disheartened with the way that medicine was traveling. So I decided to follow my brother's footsteps and get into dentistry. And man, that was a great decision and probably one of my best decisions ever uh, at that time. That's great. That's great. So I understand you went to kind of more of the corporate route while your brother uh, started up a private practice. So I did. As soon as I got out of school, I joined a big, uh, a big uh, DSO. And uh, my brother went and, you know, when you're, when your mom's a school teacher and your dad's a CPA, your whoever graduates first takes on the associateship of the dentist that you used to go to when you were a kid. Right. Other than that, <laughs> there's nowhere else to go. So, um, so I went and uh, worked for a large organization, learned a lot, uh, learned a lot of things of what to do and what not to do. And um, then I went back home and uh, decided to buy my own practice and get into private practice um, after that. So the, for people who don't know, uh, a dental service uh, organization or support organization is also known as a DSO. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so um, it's exactly what it sounds like. You know, it's, you know, doctors, if I can bring you through the whole regime uh, of how a doctor gets into the business world. So in high school, you kind of like fight with yourself. You're studying a lot and you try to go in and get into a good school and, and this aspiration of when you get into college, you're fighting with yourself, doing all these great grades and all this stuff in order to get these coveted 120 seats in medicine or in dental, right? And so you finally get into there. And now during those four years, it's all about yourself at a table, figuring out all this stuff, learning all this, cramming knowledge into your head. And the day you graduate, somebody hands you the keys and says, hey, now you're a leader of five people, six people. And by the way, you're running a business and you have zero business skill whatsoever. So understanding that that's how it kind of rolls into, I knew that I had to get some leadership and some business aspects behind me. Um, I had to start figuring those things out, um, considering that I didn't have a lot of that. So uh, I went and joined, a, 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 the, as I said, a dental service organization. And as you do that, you start to learn what that really means. That means that when you get into private practice, we're really good at working on teeth and taking, taking care of people's health. But unfortunately, the business and the leadership and all those things start to consume you when you first get out. So all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, everything I went to school for for four years is actually 10% of what I really have to do. The 90% is, man, I got to pay bills. I got to do payroll. I got to do HR. I didn't even know I had to have a marketing degree. I got to figure out how to buy the best supplies. And so a dental service organization takes care of all those aspects. Um, they help and support all those areas that are around you. The dentist is still the leader in the organization at the dental office. Um, it is still called a dental office. And uh, so people still go see the dentist. So the dentist is still the leader of the organization. Um, but we're helping on all the business aspects around it um, in order for the dentist to be the best clinician they can possibly be. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's, uh, you know, the a, a dentist shouldn't be expected to uh, have to close the books and do all of those, uh, even the insurance billings, right? I, I'm sure it's, uh, it's got to be a nightmare to uh, get through that having some background in, in, uh, in some medical billing that I've uh, been responsible for in the past. I know that, you know, it can get quite complicated quite uh, quite quickly. And then the uh, frustrations of dealing with the insurance companies, you know. Are the best way I can explain it is, is that back in the 1980s, early 90s, 
as a dentist, you had to learn how to manage your checkbook. If you can manage a checkbook, you pretty much manage your dental office. Uh, 90s to the early 2000s, now you kind of had to have a little bit of business knowledge, but not a ton, right? And as now as time has gone, and now we're sitting in 2021, you really need an MBA in business in order to run a in dental practice, you know? Um, margins are a little bit tighter. Um, insurance companies, you're navigating a, a tough uh, uh, insurance company world. You're in, uh, navigating a tough economic world of labor and, and supplies. So there's a lot of things going on. So a dental service organization has really boomed because uh, dentists are in need of that. They're in need of uh, learning those things. They don't want to spend all their time doing that. They want to spend their time going to school, going to do what they did at school, which is going to be a clinician and taking care of people. Yeah. How much has it shifted really to more like private pay and away from commercial insurance? Because, you know, when I look at it, companies aren't really, you know, they don't supplement it at all uh, in terms of the reimbursement. So you're not really, there's not very big advantages to having dental insurance like it seemed like maybe there once was. Isn't isn't it really moving away from an insurance marketplace? Um, I would say this, I would say the insurance marketplace is still a heavy, um, a heavy load on 90% of our patients coming in, right? Mm -hmm. um, but as we're starting a, um, you know, as we're starting discount plans within our organization and discount plans for uh, small businesses that don't offer dental and, and so on and so forth, yes, it is moving it will move more towards that uh, aspect. You know, dentistry, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a unusual, you know, the allowed maximum that somebody is allowed to have their dental done is the same maximum in 1988. So imagine that, right? So they allowed $1,500 worth of dentistry to be done on your mouth in 1988. And that's what they're still allowing in 2021. So it's a, um, it, it, the, the insurance companies have not moved with it um, because of that, yes, some people are looking at it and going, man, if I just paid out of pocket, I think it'd be probably, maybe I break even in the end, uh, when it's all done. Yeah, no, I definitely, I've done that math a few times, you know, as we've had some different <laughs> options that have been made available to us. And I found myself questioning whether, yeah, how, how much value the insurance is really adding, especially there's lots of employers out there that, you know, they'll subsidize at least partially, you know, the the uh, pay, the health insurance, but it's less common on the dental side. And, yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's just a, an interesting view of it all. And even, you know, there's a lot of talk about going to concierge practices on the, on the medical side as well. But I think that's a, a, a heavier lift than what, what you could find on the dental. But um, yeah, that's a, that's an incredible, like those economics got to be tough in terms of reimbursement, not having, change you just have to get i guess that much more efficient and get the get the cost down that's where that's where you guys come in that is where we come in so um you know being able to manage that on a especially now with you know when it was just my brother and i and we were building a a, a company you know our our goal was is to try to figure out what the next step was and there's private equity that has occurred in, in dentistry um, but strategic partnerships were really difficult to come by. They just didn't happen. You know, people knew how to acquire organizations. They didn't really know how to partner. Um, and two years ago, my brother and I um, decided to partner with a group called Smile Brands and a friend of mine that uh, ran that organization, Steve Bilt. Um, Steve understood what that partnership under what that meant. 
he understood what it meant to keep culture and to understand culture on there and understood our culture. And um, to be honest with you, by being able to partner with such a large organization like that, now being across the entire United States, um, it has helped our dentist tremendously on every single front um, from getting better equipment to getting uh, better supplies at a rate that nobody else is getting, especially during a pandemic when you can't even get gloves and you couldn't even get masks, you know, to have scalability like we had was absolutely uh, just a game changer for our docs and for our team members. So how is that Smile Brands um, arrangement that you have, how is that different than the rest of your, uh, the rest of the business? Um, not much. So we acquire dental practices, you know, a Smile Brands has a multiple brands underneath it. Um, Decision One being one of those brands now underneath there. Um, and so our partnership with them on that front, they help us they helped us grow tremendously faster than what we would do. So I'll just give you an instance. As you're building a DSO, you know, part of the, the biggest expense of a DSO is the infrastructure that you have to build in order to support these offices, you know, and then all of a sudden now those, you know, it's, it's all about how do we get more efficiency in that scalability on that, on, uh, on the support center level. Um, Smile Brands has offered the services of being able to use their support services while not having to expand so much of ours so we can concentrate on going out and buying practices. So it's kind of like the flip side, right? The dentist, we want the dentist not to have to worry about the business so they can continue doing great work on patients and taking care of patients the best way possible. On this front and this partnership, Smile Brands wants us to continue having to, you know, continue growing and growing our culture and our brand and not have to worry about building this gigantic infrastructure because they've already gone through that and uh, made the mistakes and made the uh, successes of doing that. So why reinvent the wheel? Yeah, that's great. That's great that you can add that much more muscle to uh, to your offerings and, and have that much bigger of an organization and, and to work on the scale. Um, that you need to, to, to continue to grow like that. So um, interesting. I was looking at uh, the values of your company and uh, they kind of jumped out at me as being a little bit different than what you'd see in some. So altruism, teamwork, and excellence. Uh, yeah. Certainly the altruism is the one that you don't see in every corporate uh, value book. So uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about the importance of that for your business. Yeah, it's actually um, our main value. It's a value that we live by. I mean, servant leadership has been a, a style of, of mine since day one, uh, but also understanding that I need everybody more than they need me. As the last time I, I learned that real early on in my dental career when the phone's ringing and I needed a dental assistant and I needed a hygienist and I figured out, man, I can't really run a dental practice just by myself, right? So I need others more than they need me. And um and that's just been the motto all along. We want to build a company that people want to work for, not have to work for. Um, we want to make sure that uh, we create an environment. Listen, especially today's probably a, a, a unique day to talk about that with some of the unrest that's occurring across the United States right now. But, um, you know, we wanted to create an environment where I can't control what goes on in this world. This world is a crazy world, man. But for eight hours a day, we have team members that come and spend their time in our places and, uh, you know, our, our workplaces. And the best thing to do is create an environment for them that they can come and feel safe and have a great environment within that practice. Right. Um, and, and for at least eight hours a day until they have to go back out into the crazy world, you know, so um, that's where the altruism came into and, and, and how we established that. Right. 
That's great. That's great. I think that, uh, you know, we could all be better served if, uh, you know, taking that mindset and as, as leaders and, 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 uh, and really leading maybe a little bit more from the back and pushing people along as opposed to always being, um, you know, out, out in front. So um, in terms of the uh, uh, kind of culture and how would you describe the culture of your, uh, of your workplace there? So, um, you know, culture is a, is a crazy term because there's a lot of people, I always hear people say like, Oh, we're, we're building our culture. We're working on our culture. Right. And, um, uh, honestly, if you, if you have to work on it that much, you probably don't have great culture, you know, um, at some point in time, naturally your culture is going to come about based on how you act every single day and how you naturally act within your company, you know, and, um, it's all the building blocks and foundations that we have that build our culture. Um, so we bring team members when team members come into, a uh, decision one, we bring them through a, a course that's called traditions. Uh, that traditional course is, is based on how did we find the company? What are our values? What does it mean? What does it mean to be a part of decision one? Um, why should you feel lucky to be a part of our company and, and, and be a part of great team members like we have? Um, all those things start establishing that culture and start establishing our expectations of what should be done on a day in and day out basis for our, for our patients and for our team members. Cause we always, there's, there's something in our culture that we say people first. So people systems, profitable business, right? So people and systems equal a profitable business. So people are first and who are those people, team members and patients. And what are the systems? The systems are a framework of what we use to establish a great business and a practice and systems create consistency. Consistency decreases stress. This consistency makes team members happy and want to stay, right? And so um, that will all, if you do those things really well, you're going to have a great business at the end. So um, it's ultimately establishing all those type of um, values that we, we talk about all the time and mental models that we have um, that create that that culture that we have. Right. Yeah. I would think that's really important to, you know, uh, to the dentists as they are looking at potential at, at a potential transaction, right. They certainly care about their teams, maybe some more than others, but, um, but they, you know, what, what happens to the people and maybe you could talk a little bit about the integration and what does that look like when you bring on a new practice? Yeah. So when we bring on a new practice, um, you know, I know they call them acquisitions, but we like to call them partnerships because it definitely is a partnership. In dentistry, it's a little bit different than other acquisitions. I can go and buy dental equipment anywhere and rent a space out and start a dental office, right? When you're acquiring a dental practice, you're establishing, you're, you're acquiring all those relationships that a dentist and the team have with the patients. The patients go there for a reason. They go there because it's a relationship-based business. Um, we have not forgotten that. That's why people are first all the time. So um, when we're acquiring a practice and we're partnering with somebody, it's really a lot about listening. It's the same thing when we did our deal with Smile Brands. It's the same thing when we do a deal with any type of dentist. We just sit down and listen first. W what is your expectations? What's our expectations? How do they meet in the middle? How do you know, what does your future look like? What does our future look like? Um, it's really vetting all those things out before you get into the partnership. Cause the last thing you want to do is get into a partnership where all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and the dentist ends up leaving and then half your patient base is gone. 
right? Um, you want to make sure that you're establishing those type of things before you even sign a deal. Um, I, I like to take that on any type of business that uh, is out there, uh, but in dentistry, especially, I mean, just because of uh, the relationships that dentists have and with their patients. You've mentioned that uh, private equity has started to get involved in, in, in the uh, industry. Maybe if you could uh, spend a minute or two talking about that and, and how that's impacted the business and whether, you know, have you guys accepted any outside funding uh, to help you guys grow as well? So um, uh, first private equity has been in, yeah, it's been in the dental industry for a long time, you know, uh, 20 plus years, 30 years. Um, and they, um, you know, they've helped, they've helped establish DSOs and move DSOs forward, right? Um, I'm sure there's just like anything, you know, there's good, there's good private equity and there's bad private, <laughs> bad private equity. But um, we did take some outside uh, dollars at, at Decision One when we were, um, let's see, we were eight practices um, and we, we took some outside money to help us uh, get off the ground. You know, uh, probably the biggest thing, just to speak on that a little bit, you know, when you're bootstrapping it, there's, there comes a point where, um, you know, your, your name is on all the leases, your name is, you know, you're personally guaranteeing everything that's there. And, um, you know, at some point in time, you're just kind of like, that's a big weight, you know? So taking some outside money helps relieve that weight. Although running, you know, building a business and being entrepreneurial is a risk for everybody, you know? Um, so I got really lucky. We had a phenomenal partner in the beginning. And then as we've partnered with Smile Brands and, and, and they have private equity and Griffin Investors, I mean, just phenomenal private equity there. So um, I don't have a bad thing to say about it because I've only had great experiences on it. Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I mean, it's a healthcare and business can coexist very well, right? Um, where it decides to not coexist is when from the dentist side, they look and they say, you know what? I haven't taken any business courses, but I know what's best about business. Um, spend all our money and let's not have any margins or profit and let's just kind of wing it, right? Uh, and, and then it's bad on the other end when all of a sudden they start to step in and go, hey, doc, I know what to do. I know how to make more money. You just got to work harder, right? You got to see more patients. Like when you, when those, that's where the world just blows up with private equity and, and, um, and, and healthcare. I think in dentistry, private equity and healthcare have done a really phenomenal job of being able to manage both those things um, and, and navigate that world. Nice, nice. That's it's good to hear some of the success stories because, yeah, you see, I, I guess with anything, there's good and bad bad sides to it, and then also you know some go well and some don't. But it sounds like your experiences have been well, and maybe the uh, players that you know you've you've been working with definitely, you know, know what they're getting into a little bit better, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, I think there, you know, in any industry, you always have bad players, right? I mean, it's just, it's any industry. There's, I mean, there's always, there's always somebody that's out there. And um, uh, I, I could tell you that um, I, I really like the way that dentistry is going. I've, I've said since the beginning, when we first started this company, and when my brother and I were first going in this, um, I do not want to walk away from dentistry, knowing that I haven't bettered the field that I love, right? I, I like as a physician, I would just, I'd feel sick to my stomach right now that I'm walking, you know, that I'm at, uh, I'm 47 years old right now. And I have another 13 years going, man, you know, 20 years ago, compared to today, 
it's actually worse than it was 20 years ago. I would just, I, I just never want that to happen with dentistry. I want to continue growing it, uh, making it better for both the dentists, my colleagues, my, my team members, and the patients. What's the difference of working with an organization like yours versus the bigger corporate players, like kind of where you had come from? I think the biggest aspect is, is that um, we don't want to be a stepping stone for another, for a dentist to go and do something else. Um, we want to be an organization that it is your home and that you're going to be here and you're going to retire to be, you know, retire with us. Um, and, and we do, we show that with our, uh, with our turnover rate, our turnover of doctors is sub 6% and our team members is below uh, 8% on, on turnover. So, um, you know, the reason that we, the reason that we look at that, that's, that's the difference. How do, how do we do that? Um, that's culture, right? That's, that's building the culture that we have. And that's all the hard work that we put into that and uh, listening to our doctors, listening to what they need, listening to our team members and hearing what they need. Um, not just going, oh man, there's a lot of stress going on in that office. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to, Hey, it's not bothering us right now. So we're going to be okay. We're going to head on to it. We're going to find out. We're going to listen to them. We're going to see if we can better it. Um, going over uh, one of our big cultural aspects is looking at the why of things. Uh, we we want to make sure that our team members understand the why of any decision that is ever made. We don't want them ever to say, I don't know, corporate told us to do this. Or, um, man, I know some executive came in here and said that we have to do this. Or AJ said we had to do this. I want them to know exactly why it's beneficial for them. And if it's not beneficial for them, then heck, we probably shouldn't be doing it. Right. Well, obviously with uh, those types of turnover rates, you're doing a good job of, uh, of really, you know, meeting and exceeding expectations. Well, first setting expectations and then meeting and exceeding them to, to continue on. What uh, I, I heard a little bit about the success plans that you uh, put in place. Can you talk about the importance of that to the, uh, to your, you got, your, you got okay. some, you got some good, you got some good dirt on decision. <laughs> Um, so uh success plans is one of our big uh um you know one of our big pillars within the within our offices so um we like to sit down on a yearly basis and let our team members tell us what they want to do and what they want to accomplish in our practices and a lot of people say to man that is crazy because of course they're going to say oh man uh i want to decrease or i don't want to work as hard and stuff like that and the answer is if that's what you want to do, then you don't belong in the, or, in our organization, right? If you're not growing, you're not, you're dying. That's, that's the answer in our group. Right. And so uh, we bring along doctors and we bring along team members that want to have that same vision on that. So um, we sit down with them and we, we call it a success placemat, you know, and we sit down and say, what does success look like next year? And we're going to measure this, you know, throughout the year next year and make sure that um, we're, we're holding our end of the bargain up of supporting you on this. And you're holding your end of the bargain up on supporting that. And we're just going to hold each other accountable. So we, we do see success as we move forward. Yeah. That's, that's good to hear because something that's often missing in, in the small kind of small businesses, right. Is some of that rigor and, and discipline to sit down and set goals and, and to, uh, and really have a cohesive plan. Um, yeah. So I think what misses in a lot of small businesses is, is that, you know, that you have this great entrepreneurial vision that's basically just in the head of the entrepreneur, right? It's being able to get that vision out there and make it measurable for everybody, you know, because 
you know, in the dental world, it's, it, it, it always amazed me, right? Like you'd always say, um, so why are you leaving your dental, dental office? Oh, I wanted to raise. And the doctor told me I couldn't get a raise, but I, you know, I swear he did two crowns the other day. And I, I, I thought that was like 1400 bucks. So he should be able to give me a raise, but there's no knowledge or transparency of how the business is doing or what the goal of the business should be. You know, so it's just like in this mind of the doctor and the doctor's probably sitting there going, listen, man, my margins last night or last month were not that good. So no, you're not getting a raise, you know, but they have no idea about that. So I think it's by having a success plan in front of everybody, you know, one of the other, one of the other things that we do that I think is a big cultural shift for us is we are completely and utterly transparent on our P&Ls, you know, and, and doctors, doctors will look and go, oh crap, man, they're going to know how much I make. And I always said this, I said, that's okay. Anybody that ever comes to you and says, doc, you make $250,000, therefore you can give me a raise or I need a raise, right? My answer to them is, hey, if you want to make 250,000, go to dental school. Like I'll, I'll show you the way, I'll, I'll support the heck out of you, go get it done, you know? But the answer is, is that you need people around you in a practice that wants to see you succeed because if you succeed, they succeed right? It's a win-win opportunity that you're going to have on the office level. And as long as the DSO and the doctors and the team members have this win-win, you're going to be in good shape. Once it's like a win-lose, man, it, then your turnover increases and all of a sudden it's just a, it's a, it's a disaster. But as long as you have win-win, people understand that, right? And, and you explain the why behind it. So being fully transparent in our P&Ls is important. Because we teach everybody why it means, hey, why you have to have a good margin in business. And now it's actually easier after the pandemic. It's a lot easier to teach that because, heck, if we didn't have good margins, we wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have had a home to come back to, you know. So um, it's, it's a lot easier to teach that. It's, and, and they do. They are receptive. People, they don't, they don't want to work for a company that is a, a, in theory, a nonprofit that, oh my gosh, all we, I work for a place that is not successful. They want to work for a place that's successful. They want to work for a good business. You know, it's just being able to show them the way and, and get them to understand that is the, is the key factor. You got to spend time in teaching that and going over it. That's great that you guys do that. I know it gets especially tricky or with some of the personalities that you get there within the medical field. I know that there's, you know, I, my, my background is more working with nurses, but um, that was something we always found challenging was trying to get them to think a little bit like business people. And, and uh, in, in our environment, we did not, uh, there was not as much sharing of the financial information. I think that uh, there were reasons for that, but I, I definitely generally uh, see the value in that and think that it uh, can be very helpful and, um, and, and can be well-received if it's, if it's presented in the right, in, in the right way. They clearly, uh, your workplaces have responded well. You've, uh, you've been named a top workplace and by the Tribune is, uh, a couple of years in a row or so. Is that yeah, right? yeah. So we, uh, it's exciting to hear. I mean, listen, our, our, we have great team members, you know, I mean, um, and, we do, somebody always asks me, you know, it's always the question of like, is it a family organization that always comes up, you know, and, and especially when you wear a top, top workplace and you hear two brothers are running it and there's a dad in there and uh, heck man, we have other family members that are running around our place and stuff. So uh, a lot of people say, oh my, this must be a family organization, you know? Um, 
and I don't know, I, you know, family, I, I, I was just recently told about this, like, um, there's, there's a difference between a family organization and a team atmosphere, right? And a family organization, right? You, you basically are told who's going to be your family. You don't get to choose, you know, in a team atmosphere, you're choosing your team members, you know, and um, you're teaching them what it means to be a part of a good team and, and, and uh, what it takes to be a successful team on that front. So um, I, I think that's what we do really well. Um, I think that's why our team members are, uh, are stick around with us. Listen, we don't get me wrong though. I mean, we do some things, we do some boneheaded mistakes, right. And we gotta, uh, I think the answer is you learn from those mistakes really quick you acknowledge that you made a mistake and then you move forward. I think the companies that are just like, Oh, we know the best. And um, that's the only thing that we know that sometimes it's tough. Right. Yeah. It's delicate balance. No doubt. No, no doubt. But uh, it's good when you, uh, you know, when it works well, it can work real well. Um, I think that some, some of the multi-generational things can definitely get a little trickier down the line, but uh, you guys are still, yeah, you gotta you gotta remember part of our business is is that we acquire a dental practice from somebody that is sometimes on their you know is on their sunset, not on their sunrise, right? But now we're bringing in people that are on their sunrise, so it's a um, it's tricky, right? Because when you have a uh, you know a seventy two year old dentist um, and you have a twenty seven year old dentist, um, those worlds are far apart and. Uh, there's a definite, definitely different on all aspects, you know, and not to say one's right and one's wrong. I mean, it's just different. So it's, it's change mentality. It's, it's getting a doctor prepared for retirement and to understand uh, change management and to understand what it means to transition and the legacy that they're going to leave behind and how we can help with that. I mean, it's a lot of work that goes into those things. Right. So we, uh, you went most of the talk without too much, uh, too much talk of the pandemic and COVID-19, but, uh, you know, it'd be remiss not talking about how it has impacted your business over the last year and, uh, and what that's looked like from your perspective. Yeah. So, um, even prior to pandemic, so I'll start there prior to pandemic. One of the passions that I have is getting more people access to care. Okay. Um, prior to the pandemic, you're talking about 55% of the, the nation actually getting to the dentist. Okay. So now the question is pandemic hits and we come back to work. First of all, during the pandemic, we're sidelined, right? Which is hopefully that will never, ever happen again. Um, dentistry somehow got lost in the shuffle and was considered non-essential when we take care of a majority, uh, you know, 20, 25%, not a majority, but 20, 25% of the emergencies that hit the emergency room. So when we're trying to get people not to go to the emergency room, <laughs> telling dentists stay home, um, it was kind of the craziest thing that we ever had. But uh, finally, as dentists got to be able to get called back to work and, and, and understand that, um, we started to see an initial rush. You, two months of going without a dentist, you do not believe the amount of emergencies and the dental problems that you have seen, right? Um, and so we had this immediate rush of a lot of dental issues, which hopefully proved to everybody that uh, dentistry should be essential from here forward. If knock on wood, this never happens again, but it, it, if it ever happened that we, we understand that it's an essential business. Um, but understanding also that about 20% of our patient base has not come back to the dentist yet. 
you know, um, whether they're just waiting for the vaccine or whether it's just kind of like, you know, uh, trying to get them, nudge them to get to the dentist. You know, I, there's probably 10% of that 55% that was just like, man, I don't even know if I want to go today. Right. Um, now they have an excuse not to go. Now they're not coming, you know? So, um, understanding that that dealt with when we had a furlough, everybody, because we went to zero revenue, you know, um, that's more emotional, you know, like when you, when you have to furlough people and all of a sudden you see like a company that you built and all of a sudden that zero revenue and nobody working. And that's a, just an emotional drain on you coming back out of the pandemic and now getting ramped back up and starting to see patients and new PPE and all these things and new regulations and all this stuff. Um, that's more strategic, right? You got to be very strategic because you don't know how many people are going to come back. So now you got to watch your cost. You got to watch your labor. How much labor do you bring back in? I mean, so many things that we learned along the way um, as you ramp a business from zero back up. Um, so that has been, that has been for the last 11 months, that has been kind of the, okay, how are we going to do that? How is that going to work? What does it mean to ramp up? Um, that's all tough things that we had to go by. So probably one of the toughest things uh, that you had to go through in business. Again, thank goodness uh, we had some great partners and smile brands and we had a lot of people that can get on calls every day. Um, it was tough, but I'll tell you what, I would never take it back. And a lot of people think I'm crazy when I say that, but I think the culture that we built with our team members during that process the things that we learned, the things that we learned about our people and our patients is invaluable. Um, and it, it just, it'll be with us forever. Um, every morning during the pandemic, we would wake up and we would have a one hour, half hour meeting with all our team members. It was every, every team member was allowed to get on this call and they can ask any question they wanted every morning, any question. And we would just be giving them news on COVID. This is what we learned today. This is what we're seeing. This is what we we think is going to happen. Hey, if you got to uh, if you got to apply for financial aid, this is the financial stuff that you got to do. Like it was just, and then we would have guest speakers on there, and just people just to, needed to be motivated and they needed to keep their spirits up. So I learned a lot about leadership um, and the type of leadership that is needed during times of crisis during that period of time. And I'll. I'll I, I, I don't wish that it ever comes again, but I don't hate that it came. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody's just trying to make the, make the best of a bad situation. I think that that's probably where you guys probably added a lot of value to and taking some pressure off the, the individual uh, practitioners out there as well, being at least having that part of the business dealt with, even though there wasn't that necessarily that much to do, but in, in terms of these, uh, you know, it, it was a few of the worries were, you know, were these cast aside there or somebody else's responsibility to deal with anyway. No so, question. Yeah. So the um, anything else in terms of like your most critical uh, business initiatives now? I mean, obviously, it's pivoting and coming out of the pandemic. And then probably are you back into growth mode at this point? Yeah, we're back into growth mode. There's no question about it. I mean, we just did, um, you know, a big acquisition in Midwest Dental. Um, and, and that was a, that's just a phenomenal acquisition by Smile Brands to bring them into the mix of the family. And um, for me to be able to become a, a COO of that group is, um, 
you know, is pretty phenomenal. And, and now, yeah, we're, we've done already, uh, three acquisitions, um, uh, you know, uh, in, in 2021 and we'll continue moving forward on, um, three more acquisitions actually are on the table that will, will be closed in the next couple of months. So yeah, there is definitely growth mode is on, um, and, uh, just bringing back as many patients as we possibly can. Um, and, uh, understanding that we're still not out of the woods of the pandemic, but also understanding that we're not out of the woods in the pandemic and the severity that is caused with oral health and, um, you know, the, the care that we need to provide our patients is just immense right now. I mean, it's, it's greater than it ever has been. So, um, so yeah, so we're just, we're just hitting those initiatives and, and, and continuing to move that forward. Um, you know, Chicago, Chicago took a big hit during the pandemic. Um, and, and we, we understand that, but, uh, we want to be a vital organization and a vital business within the Chicagoland area that is going to help motivate, um, uh, people to continue doing business in Chicago and continue moving here because of the great city it is. Yeah, no doubt. The, uh, with all the hats that you wear, do you find time to uh, get involved in professional organizations in the community? I, I noticed you were the uh, team dentist for the Chicago Wolves. So, you know, <laughs> you're finding some time for fun. Although that, I would think that that's a pretty big responsibility with it is a response. It is a big responsibility, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I love it. Um, my, uh, you know, I'm kind of bummed out this year, just, uh, it's a little different, you know, in professional sports, but, um, my son used to, uh, work for the team as a, you know, a little, uh, uh, dealt with some stuff on the bench. So he's really bummed out that he doesn't get to work this year. Uh, but you know, that's, that's, listen, I go there and I have a ton of fun. My brother helps me out with it. Dr. Smith, my associate at my office helps me out. I mean, it's just a, it's just a, a lot of fun, but yeah, uh, part of us, uh, you know, I'm on the executive board of uh, the American Dental Service Organization, which is uh, basically the top uh, 20 dental or DSOs in the world, um, you know, on that front and uh, really looking at the political initiatives and the um, initiatives of states um, in the dental world around there. So um, join that and really enjoy doing that. Um, but also, you know, helping out wherever I can in any type of situation for the ISDS and, and so on and so forth. How do you see it changing in terms of uh, the industry moving, moving ahead then? So the DSOs are, it seems like they're getting, you know, bigger and kind of more uh, and, and more to them. But uh, is it, is that the broader move is just to shift more to DSOs or is there something more, more to it than that? No, I do. I, I think DSOs are, um, you know, it, it, listen, when I first got in the business, there was only 4% consolidation of, you know, dental practices. Uh, so it was 96% private practice, 4% DSOs. 20 years later, it's 28%, some say 30% DSOs, 70% uh, private practice. There's always going to be room for private practice. And gosh, man, I'm, I'm supportive of that. You know, um, I think it's just a great thing that my colleagues have a lot of different choices, a lot of choices that I did not have when I was coming out of school, you know? Um, so it, it, there is a lot of choices for people out there and all types of people, whether you love business, you don't like business, whatever it is, um, there's choices out there for it. But I do think DSOs will continue to do it. I think consolidation is just in the beginning phases. Um, and there's a lot of room to consolidate still in dentistry um, with the insurance companies, unfortunately doing what they're doing and expenses continuing to increase as margins start to slim up consolidation occurs, right? And consolidation is going to continue moving forward on that. But I do think on a, on a, on a global front and, and the future of 
uh, smile brands and us and, and what we're looking at. I mean, listen, what you want to do is you want to start looking at um, all the services that you use within an organization, right? Uh, labs and supplies and technology and all those aspects and say, hey, can you control or help control some of those aspects moving forward? You know, um, kind of like myself. I mean, listen, when I when we first started this business, I knew 10 years ago, I had a choice. I had a choice to say to myself, AJ, you're going to retire or you're going to end up in dentistry and you're going to say dentistry changed and you either had a voice in that or you didn't, right? So you either are going to get changed or you're going to be a part of the change, right? And I've always, I've always looked at myself and said, I want to be a part of the change, you know? So I do want to be a part of the change, not only just for the healthcare of our patients, but the technology behind it, uh, the supplies behind it, um, you know, all different aspects of dentistry that help us do what we do. I, I think that's a, that's a vision of having a company that um, has that type of uh, influence in the dental community. Yeah. Well, that's great. It seems like you definitely found the right side of that coin. And, and that's, uh, you know, I appreciate your time today. Um, you know, for people who want to uh, learn more, decision1dental.com is where to find you. Absolutely. Anything else we should try to highlight while we have you on? No, I appreciate it very much. And you know what? I would just highlight this. If you haven't been to the dentist in the last year, make sure you get there. You know, um, uh, what we're seeing with oral disease and, and the COVID, uh, you know, COVID complications is uh, definitely a connection. And uh, that does goes on beyond saying of uh, the, the oral healthcare connections between that, your heart and the rest of your body. Just get to a dentist if you have to. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt. It's easy to put off, but not what you want to be doing. So no, I'm looking forward to bringing my kids in uh, next week. It's been a while for them too. So excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Glad to hear that. All right. Well, thank you, All sir, right. for your time. Thanks. I appreciate appreciate it. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Cheers.